if you want to do it really properly, you are going to look at an individual's power duration curve and prescribe the higher intensity training from their power duration curve. That Triathlon Show, episode 93. Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of That Triathlon Show, the podcast presented by scientifictriathlon.com. I'm your host, Michael, and on today's episode, I interview, dare I say, the number one independent expert on coaching using running power meters, Steve Palladino. In episode 59, back uh, a few months ago, we covered the basics of running with power in an interview with Chris Haig. And also some more advanced concepts, but today we'll go even deeper and focus more exclusively on those advanced use cases and how to use running with power, especially in training and racing analysis and what kind of analysis you can do when you use running power meters. So things we'll cover include running effectiveness and how to improve it training load quantification using running with power, and how to use the leg spring stiffness metric that you get in the stride uh, power center if you use a stride power meter. And we will once again talk about the different power training zones and why Steve's zone uh, system, in my opinion, is probably the best one and uh, what you may be using if you're already running with power and using something like strides zones or the training peak zones is not necessarily ideal. So, a quick intro to Steve Palladino. He is a running coach at the Palladino Power Project, and he specializes in running with power. He's a former former elite runner with a 2.16 marathon uh, PR, and he was uh, a qualifier for the 1980 Olympic trials in the US, that is. And he coaches runners from high schoolers to post-collegiate and elite runners and age groupers, and is a fellow Stride Power Coaching Group member, And he is the one who publishes, in my opinion, the most informative, relevant and best information on Running With Power that I know of. And you can follow that on his uh, Facebook group, which is the Palladino Power Project. And there's also a a Google Doc menu of of sorts that you can see all his previously published articles. And we'll link to that in the show notes. Before we hear the interview, though, this episode is sponsored by... Precision Hydration. They have sweat tested thousands of athletes and the average athlete loses about 950 milligrams of sodium per liter of sweat. And that is around about twice what most traditional electrolyte supplements contain. So if you want to make sure that you are not one of those heavy sodium sweaters that lose much more sodium that you are actually replacing... Find out a ballpark number quickly, easily and for free on precisionhydration.com and take their free online sweat test. And if you end up buying any other products, use the discount code Show, all one word, for 15% off. This episode is also sponsored by Triathlon Corner. They have a great selection of products to very affordable prices, some great exclusive deals, and ship worldwide, of course. Go to triathlon-corner.store. Mark it as a favorite in your browser, because this could be the new home of online triathlon shopping for you. Or you can just click the link in the show notes and go right to the website if you don't want to type yourself. All right, now let's hear the interview with Steve Palladino. 
So today on that triathlon show, I am very pleased to welcome Steve Palladino, who is uh, an expert in running with power and uh, analyzing running power data. Welcome, Steve. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thank you. Thank you for uh, having me on. I'm honored. Brilliant. And uh, as I've said in the introduction to this episode, this is going to be a slightly more advanced course in running with power because we, we've already covered previously on the podcast more of the basics and what running with power is and what it isn't. So uh, you are a perfect guest to help us uh, dig into those more advanced topics. And one thing that I want to start with, because this is very important, it's the foundation of everything we do really with running with power is uh, training zones for power there are a few different training zone systems out there including uh, the strides training zones uh, themselves and also training peaks has their system which is based on gym vances but you have your own system that uh, i also base my system off of even if it's slightly different so how did you come up with your training zones and how do they differ from other training zone systems out there well, I, the, I use sort of an amalgamation of a, a number of different um, thought processes. I've looked at other training zones, the ones that were developed prior to my own, and um, and then I also was looking at my own athletes that I've coached, um, how they raced, what, what kind of uh, power they produce relative to their functional threshold power. So what percentage of functional threshold power they're producing at racing various distances. So um, in uh, running before power, we based paces off of race pace. There's 10K race pace, there's 5K race pace, there's marathon pace, etc. So uh, I was looking at percent of functional threshold power that races were run at. And then I was looking at other existing uh, power zones from other um, developers and, and uh, noted experts. And then uh, lastly, um, just looking at some of the, the, the uh, work uh, from the physiolo physiology side of things, uh, from cycling and so forth, that also create a, a few distinct uh, zone uh, markers or zone uh, limits, so to speak. And and how do your zones differ? Because they do differ, and I think they are, personally, I think they are better because I gravitated towards your zones uh, and not Stride's own zone system, nor uh, Jim Vance's or Training Peak system. I did one slight adaptation that I'm can get into a bit later, but but mostly I use your zones exactly. But but so can you explain how is it? How are they different from the previously existing zone systems? Okay, well, there's a few differences. I think most of the zone systems out there pretty much agree on what the uh, what the easy aerobic running zones are. It's it's somewhere around eighty percent of functional threshold power and less. Um, what I did in mine is looking at some of my athletes. I, I looked at, um, I looked at breaking it up into three different parts. Which you know, I, I hate to be one that creates more zones, but it, it actually I saw three different um, uh, activity levels on the easy aerobic side. There's 
the the level where most runners just run their easy aerobic runs, their their you know whatever uh, a ten kilometer easy run, um, and that's usually most runners. It's around seventy five to eighty percent. Um, then there's the, the the how how my runners uh, uh, performed while they're warming up for say intervals and it was a little bit easier a little bit slower than that and then also uh, a third one is how they're running between intervals when they're really huffing and puffing and and needing um, their uh, their recovery so uh, that was usually really slow 70 uh, 50 to 65 percent of functional threshold power so I, I broke it into three zones at the easy side and what what about at the the upper end? There are some differences uh, there as well, right? Exactly. So the um, the the upper end is I, I inserted. Well, let me let me start with zone three. Uh, zone three is where the action starts happening in terms of higher uh, level training and. You know, depends on how you define high intensity training, but to me, once you get to eighty-eight percent, you're at the you know the the LT one or you know aerobic threshold um, at, at around eighty-eight percent, and and it also coincides with with marathon pace, most uh, and mar- marathon power effort that. Most runners are running a marathon between 88 and maybe up to 92%. Of course, the elites go a little bit higher. Um, but that that first level there is um, the sort of the introduction of, of a higher intensity running, starting at 88%. Um, I broke zone three into two zones. The, then there is... Um, the three A is what I was just describing. Uh, that that gets close to half marathon. Starts at marathon power and gets close to half marathon power. Then you make the the rollover from into three B, which is uh, about half marathon power, ninety four ninety five percent running up through um, your functional threshold power, which is. Uh, for most people, runs between uh, 10 kilometer racing to um, 15 kilometer racing, and elites run all the way up to half marathon racing. So that's that's zone three. Then I looked at zone four. That's that's really as you get to uh, uh, 10k and slightly above. Uh, for zone four, that would be 102 to 105 percent. Um, the and that's where most people uh, most people approach that in their 10k. But certainly, this is uh, below below 5k power. Um, so then zone five is the next one. That that would be. Um, Roughly 5k power to sort of the the uh, 1500 to mile power for for many people. Um, 
you're going to ask a so question? So it's kind of your, 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 your classic VO2 max so uh, right? It, exactly. So that's max aerobic. It's, it, if you're running power in that and you, it's of sufficient du- duration in an interval, you're going you're gonna to probably tap into VO2 max. Um, uh, so I, that's the reason I, dis, I made that distinction, put that zone four in there because it, it, you, I guess you can get to tapping into VO2 max at extended duration in zone four, but um, zone four is, is really 10K slight, slightly, um, fa- to slightly faster than 10K pace. So it's a good super threshold training level. But I wouldn't quite put it at your classic VO2 max uh, training level, which would be zone five in my, my yeah. power zones. And then, of course, then there's zone six. Uh, that's where you're, you're, you're definitely tapping into training your functional reserve capacity or your, your anaerobic system. Um, you're getting into um, the... From mile or 1500 meters to 800 meter type of power, and um, the uh, you know as you get as you get faster than mile power, you're getting um, greater than 50 percent anaerobic contribution uh, of the energy systems to to the power production. So um, zone six is is uh, is typically tapping into anaerobic work and then of, of course there's you know all out sprinting your maximal development which would be uh, zone seven and that's you're really putting a, a number on that I, I put greater than 50 150 percent but really we're talking about all out for you know 10 seconds or less uh, for zone seven yeah yeah and uh, there are I don't. I should have probably noted them down before because now I can't, off the top of my head, uh, figure out what the differences are compared to, for example, uh, well, the stride power zones. They are definitely uh, a bit. Uh, I think they're too broad. They, they don't really distinguish between different types of uh, of uh, physiological uh, stimuli well enough. So, so that's. Uh, I don't really like them. I think the Jim Vance's are much better because he has like you have a threshold zone, a high intensity zone that is kind of that uh, 10k. But but it goes. But the thing with with his is that it goes kind of above. His VO2 goes from 116, which uh, percent of FTP, whereas yours go up until 116. And just as a runner myself, or triathlete myself, and running with stride, I know that there's no way I can hold more than 116 for a VO2 max workout. So, so I think there's there's a mistake there. If you prescribe a workout with those zones, nobody's going to be able to do that. So, so, so that's why I prefer yours. That's one of the just one one of a few different things that that your zone system do better than any of the other systems out there right i and i couldn't agree more i mean you know you if the the vance uh power zones for his zone six vo2 max 116 128 and uh time is about two to 18 minutes well uh two minutes Two minutes uh, at at the higher end at 128 percent. That's that would be uh, that would be uh, uh, all out 800 meters for some runners. And um, you know, like I said, you're tapping into a lot of anaerobic and 
certainly you'll get you'll tap into VO2 max, but uh, um, I think you 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 get into VO max VO2 max at a lower power. So yeah, I I think I think I've I've you know using the runners that I've coached and looking at their race power and um, what you can expect from various races. I think I've I've um, managed to get the upper level power zones defined relatively well. Um, that said, uh, when you get up there, there's a lot of individual differences. Absolutely, yeah. Dif- different runners have different amounts of anaerobic capacity. That's uh, where genetics come into play a lot and, and uh, just the makeup of, of the runner. Um, I want to move on from the power zones now, but this is a good discussion and, and we will link in the show notes to your article where you have your zones outlined in a neat table. So anybody who wants to can go and have a look at that. And you, there's, there are also all the other uh, systems, uh, training zone systems, so you can compare right. with, uh, with them. Uh, but uh, let's move on to the next question, which is actually uh, from a listener. We had a, an email discussion previously, not related to this episode, but just about running with power in general. And this listener was uh, kind of disappointed with the fact that running stress score isn't really measured uh, with as as great as it could be, perhaps. I don't know if that's the right way to say it. But he said that, for example, if you do really hard anaerobic intervals uh, with long-ish recoveries, the running stress score comes out as significantly lower than it would if you do like just an easy run that's maybe 15 minutes longer. And that, that's not the way it should be. Uh, what's your take on running stress score and uh, and how it potentially will develop going forward? The um, okay, so the what I'm actually doing at this point in time is looking at four different methods of tracking training load, four different algorithms. Uh, so I do this in WKO four, um, and the the ones that I'm tracking there's running stress score, which is strides metric. And I have their algorithms, so I track that. And then there is the WKO4 default, which is the running training stress score, uh, or RTSS. And, and, and can you just quickly explain for the listeners how those two differ? Because they sound kind of similar. Good, good. Uh, um, so running, uh, running stress score is a power-based um, uh, stress score. Uh, and uh, they use a particular exponent for applying um, uh, relative intensity, I imagine. Um, so it, it's a power-based uh, training load. Um, RTSS, or running training stress score, in that's the default WK of four um, training load for runners is based on and also the default also the default training peaks for any listeners that are not familiar with WKO4 but do have training peaks I don't use training peaks uh, but yeah I'm aware and I, it, it, I I believe in training peaks it will toggle or you can toggle between uh, a pace sport uh, based um, running training stress score or heart rate base or power base. It'll take whatever particular uh, uh, entry metric uh, and calculate your training stress score off of that. 
in but I don't use that. I, I do everything in WKO4, so I have to sort of do these things on my own or, or developing them on them my, my own, which is a, you know, the power of WKO4. So I, I have running stress score, running training stress score, which is the pace base. Um, it uses normalized graded pace, which uh, uh, sort of smooths out the hills and, and gives you a pace as if it was a flat, um, a flat. Uh, run. Uh, I also am tracking um, uh, Andy Coggins, uh, Dr. Coggins' uh, classic power-based um, training load, which is called Training Stress Score. It's been around for since about 2005, I believe, and actually was developed before that. Um, and then I have a fourth one that I use, which is uh, one that I've I've sort of developed that uses running effectiveness, a, a, another uh, met, newer running metric that sort of captures relative efficiency. So I use that along with power uh, data um, and duration, etc., to calculate a training load. Um, so among these four, if you look at them all, together, which I'm doing right now on WKO4, they all produce strikingly similar models of training load, chronic training load, acute training load, and training stress balance. Um, they all produce very, very similar um, uh, modeling of those. There are subtle differences, and, and really, I like the one that I've developed with running effectiveness, I think it, it's a little bit more true, but we're, we're splitting hairs. They're all pretty close in terms of, of um, the modeling they provide. They're, they're all pretty close. That's very good to hear, actually, because if they would be different, then that would kind of throw question marks around all of them, basically. So, exactly. so that, that's yeah. encouraging to hear. Uh, just one quick follow-up, slight side note, but Coggins training stress score, that's kind of similar to the Strides running stress score, but with a different uh, weighted exponent, I believe. Is that correct? Uh, he doesn't use an exponent. He, he um, scales it to relative uh, intensity. Oh, right, so, yeah, yeah, yes. Okay, yeah. yeah. So they're, they're, you're using uh, the, the power... Um, relative to the person's functional threshold, so there it it scales to relative intensity that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, it's it's the yeah the basic training stress score that again that that you have in training peaks for all the users of of that platform. So, uh, so okay, so so do you think that that does that mean that with the measuring training load that uh, we're already pretty close and or do you think what what does the future hold for it do you think that it's going to still develop a lot or what's your take on that well i i i think these are pretty close um i've been using them now for uh for about a year in the athletes that I've been coaching, and um, particularly what what's most important to me is to deliver my athlete to race day uh, at a race ready level, and it's been pretty darn good. All of these 
have been pretty darn good at doing that. The other thing I want to do is avoid um, uh, getting into overtraining or injury scenario by ramping them too fast, and I think it works quite well for that. That said, um, I'm certain that we will get even better in our modeling of training load and and, um, injury risk and race readiness, those two important elements, um, or three important elements, um, will get even better as we look into this and follow this over time. Yeah, and that injury risk is something that Stride is working on pretty heavily right now to incorporate in their uh, in their firmware and in their platform as well. So that will be exciting, exciting to follow. Just quickly, in a couple of sentences. So, what would you say to uh, the listener who who considers it, um, I guess, incorrect that they get a lower stress score, training load score, whatever you want to call it, for a more intense ra- uh, run, but compared to a a basic endurance run that is slightly longer and even though it feels like the shorter but uh, anaerobic interval type run was much much harder well i i, I would i would say one uh, there we're not exactly perfect um and i would tend to agree um i have my own feelings about how to model that but doing so um it, it is uh, requires a little some some advancement some complexities um, for example, I think that when we run, we go into a very intense uh, um, block of training. I think that our time constant, the time constant changes. Um, so I think it becomes uh, a longer time constant for the, uh, for the uh, acute um, uh, training load. So in other words, our, our fatigue stays around longer um, in our acute training load. Um, so there, I think there's ways of, of modeling that, that we just are a little bit more complex than the basic system at this point in time. Right. Okay, so let's move on to the next question. And this is, again, with the theme of this episode being more advanced running power topics. If you could pick one or a few things that you think are the greatest benefits of running with power besides the obvious we all know that you can pace hilly courses and things like that better if you have power it's very familiar from cycling for example but but a few other points besides the very obvious things the things that you really couldn't live without as uh, as a coach for runners what what would they be well, I think the, the, the biggest one in my mind is not uh, real time, it's what you do in, in post-processing, in the, the, uh, in the evaluation after the run, what, what things you can do. And the biggest one is the power duration curve. Uh, we talked earlier about power zones. Well, once you get above functional threshold, um, then things get more and more... Uh, gray or fuzzy at the borders of those zones. And really, if you want to do it really properly, you are going to look at an individual's power duration curve and prescribe the higher intensity training from their power duration curve um, to be more targeted for that individual. So I think the power duration curve is uh, is a, a, a big, big game changer in terms of individualizing training. 
Yeah, we we had Tim Cusick from WKO4 on in a previous episode, and we talked about that exactly, and and that's something that works brilliantly, really smoothly for bike training in WKO4, and I guess for you because you coach runners, so they don't have like a bike profile. That's one thing that I think is that WKO4 needs to sort out to have separate power duration curves, because right now if you're a triathlete and you do both cycling and running, then you get your cycling power duration curve and. Uh, yeah, that's uh, some of the things that I imagine that you are doing, I can't do with triathletes. And I hope that WKO4 can pretty soon get uh, get the running wheel power on on par with what they have for cycling. But that is a good one. Is there anything else that you that you want to mention besides the power duration curve? Um, no, I think, well, I think that's the biggest one. I mean, I can go in, you know, we can go down the rabbit hole of, of uh, you know, the various other metrics. I think... Uh, one in, in that in that in that case, let let me lead us down the rabbit hole okay, because I have good. a couple of <laughs> particular ones that I want to ask you about. Because you well, running effectiveness, you mentioned that, and we have talked about that in the previous running with power episode with Chris Haig on episode fifty nine. Uh, but uh, for you, the question for you is: What are the things that you are typically looking for and or finding when you do your post-workout or race analysis and in terms of running effectiveness specifically well that's that's great because i was i was going to start going into that one on the last question uh, because i think that's a very this is a very powerful metric i think um, um, f- first of all just to clarify running effectiveness is the ratio of uh, speed to power so uh, speed in meters per second divided by power in watts per kilogram gives you this metric of running effectiveness. Um, running effectiveness is, if you look at it another way, it's how effectively is a runner at converting power to speed. Um, so this, to me, is a very important metric. In cycling, um, you, the, the, the efficiency is somewhat uh, constrained by the bicycle. Everybody has relatively the same efficiency. We're in runners, it comes out that how effective they are at producing speed from their power varies from runner to runner. So uh, it, to me, looking at this metric is important. A, one use is just uh, stratifying potential. I, if I get a young runner and they're they're running effectiveness um, at threshold is like one, 1.04, which is a pretty good number at threshold, I, I, my eyes open up and I say, this, this kid might have some, some potential. Um, by the same token, if we look at somebody who's, who's um, you know, 0.97 at threshold, um, it, it would tell me, hey, we need to work on this. Um, and and running effectiveness is, is pretty hard to move that number. It takes a lot of work, but there are interventions that do allow you to improve on it. So I, I look at running effectiveness in terms of stratifying potential, in terms of directing uh, training interventions um, and and also um, uh, performances as well. What what are those training interventions that you can use to improve your running effectiveness? Okay, so 
running running effectiveness it's hard to say because there is no this is stuff that we're just learning but running economy probably uh impacts running effectiveness and the 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 umbrella of running effectiveness probably has under it a person's running economy so things that change running economy may improve running effectiveness um, and the, and also some of the things we look at in our metrics, like horizontal power ratio, which I can discuss in a moment. Um, horizontal power ratio tells me a little bit about what we can actually do. So um, anything that improves the the runner's horizontal power ratio, which is that percentage of power that is directed horizontally um, external power the power that's produced by stride or recorded by stride or reported by stride um, external power has components of moving the, the the center of mass up and down that's oscillatory power or form power if you use strides vernacular and then there's horizontal power the moving the body the the center of mass forward horizontally the greater the horizontal power the uh more it correlates with um running effectiveness so if i produce a chart that looks at running effectiveness versus versus horizontal power um it, it correlates horizontal power so how do we improve horizontal power? Well, I work on various uh, various form drills and and even um, uh, work like uh, stretching the anterior hip flexors and increasing gluteal strength and including in, in, increasing um, SI mobility, uh, sacroiliac mobility. All of these little things contribute to improving horizontal power, which then in turn improve running effectiveness. Um, and of course, there's many more. I, I think I think you have an I think you have an article on that. Is that right on uh, the form drills and and other things listed? So we can send the listeners to them. Or am I mistaken? No, no, it's it's there. Although I'm I'm working on. Uh, a more detailed uh, list with video demonstration at this point in time. Yeah, it would just we, we'll uh, post a link to your entire article library. What's the name of this specific article? Do you remember roughly so that uh, the listeners can find it? Because I know I read it, but I don't remember what the name of it was. There, I think list. there's there is a uh, I have it contains a little bit about that in the article that i've written on running effectiveness it's called understanding running effectiveness and uh it does go into uh some thoughts on improving running effectiveness in that article yeah here it is yeah yeah okay so sorry for that but uh, go, go on where you where you left off yeah, unless uh, i made you forget where you were already well i i was going to say that that running effectiveness um there there's probably interventions that um that may be possible that we you know that i personally haven't really tapped into yet um it's 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 a 
we're still in an, a, a path of discovery. But my my feelings, my my um, hypothesis is that if we do various things to improve running economy, it will translate into improvements in running effectiveness. Also, if we do things to improve horizontal power, it's going to translate into improved running effectiveness. Um, leg spring stiffness may also have some, um, some benefit in improving run effectiveness as well. So there's a lot of these in 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 one sense in one sentence or two. What is leg spring stiffness and why is it important potentially? Okay, leg spring stiffness is the uh, elastic uh, recoil that we have uh, provided in our soft tissues, uh, muscles, and tendons, and, and fascia. So uh, I always use the analogy of a, of a. a of a racehorse, they have a lot of elasticity in their tendons. So when they load their limb, they're actually getting elastic recoil as part of their propulsion mechanism. Human beings have that as well, although it's a lot less than what you see in a racehorse. Um, we have that as well. So consider this. This is free power. I'm gonna, that's in quotations. This is free energy being delivered back into propelling the the runner forward um, meaning it has no oxygen costs when you land the tendons and fascia are loaded and um, that elastic component is loaded and as you propel there's that recoil without any oxygen requirement whatsoever you're get you're getting some uh, propulsion so leg spring stiffness, if it's, if it's good, it's, it's adding to your forward propulsion free of oxygen, which theoretically should improve running economy and running effectiveness. And uh, leg spring stiffness, that's provided within, uh, within stride and also, as you mentioned, form power, which uh, we can use to calculate horizontal power. Running effectiveness is not. You need to calculate that yourself or use WKO4 just to uh, give a short breakdown of, of those metrics. Uh, so leg spring stiffness, continuing on, on that theme. Uh, so what is, is that trainable? And uh, do, do you think there is a... A benchmark for what it should be, and uh, and what do you do as a training intervention to improve that? Okay, so I I do think it's trainable. The uh, uh, the benchmark that I look at is uh, I, I first of all it, it it makes no sense to use raw leg spring stiffness because if you're a bigger if you have more mass you're going to have greater leg spring stiffness in as a raw number. So I always want to look at normalized to weight. Then you can compare light runners and, and heavier runners. So divide your raw leg spring stiffness number by kilograms in weight, and that gives you the uh, normalized to weight uh, version. Now, that what I look for as a benchmark is 0 0.150, um, as, uh, and that's leg spring stiffness divided by kilograms. As a, as a benchmark. If someone's above that, they're pretty good. If they're below that, um, they, and we want to address this a little bit more. And certainly if they're down below 
0.140. I'm really wanting to to work on that. Uh, So the work we do for that is things that... um, are improving your springiness, just just to uh, throw that out. Um, so, form drills uh, that that are working on ground ground reaction time, ground contact time. Uh, so there's skip skip drills and and um, uh, various other form drills, and then also the big one is plyometrics. Um, plyometrics um, is something that I'll incorporate into a program, particularly for the the runner in need that's sitting down there around one uh, uh, 0.140 and and lower. But frankly, uh, even if someone's at 1.50, doesn't mean that they shouldn't do some some work along the lines of form drills and plyometrics in my mind. Yeah, uh, I would throw strength training in general in there as well, maybe some some explosive. I've noticed that because I've been following this actually and uh, since uh, starting my strength training again after the off-season or, well, in the base season here, I've noticed my leg spring stiffness improve quite significantly. And I'm now, I, I think when I checked, it's usually around uh, above that uh, 0.150. So, so strength training in general as well. But plyo- plyometrics, I would agree, is, is the big one. I would agree with you, and actually, the literature would support your statement on uh, weight training. So, I yeah, definitely could add that one in as well. Yeah. Uh, what about? So, we mentioned there the benchmark and piggybacking to running effectiveness. What's your benchmark there? You uh, through the zero point nine seven, and what? So maybe as yeah, this, this needs improvement and one point oh five. Okay, this is good. But what, is there a, a limit, a point when it uh, when it's okay, and and a point where when it needs to be a primary focus for an athlete, maybe? Well, I think that um, if someone is is between. Um, 0.99 and uh, 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 1.02, they're they're sitting pretty good. Um, if they're 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 over 1.02, uh, that's actually quite good. I think elites are probably uh, at uh, over 1.04 or 1.05. Now, when I when I'm giving you these benchmarks, they're at threshold power on flat surface because uh, running effectiveness is sensitive to uh, intensity and it's also sensitive to um, to hills so in in order to compare apples to apples you want to look at what the runners um, running effectiveness is at around threshold power on relatively flat surface now, um, back to the, the, the numbers, if someone's under 0. 0.99, then, then I, I like to work on it and, and really get uh, um, eager to work on it when it's below 0. 0.98 at threshold power. Yeah, brilliant. And this is something that uh, anybody can calculate using that in the stride power center. You don't need WKO4, although that's pretty handy. But but just uh, as you said, it's it's the the speed per uh, per power to weight ratio, so uh, speed in meters per second. So so it's uh, it's you 
this, do a little spreadsheet for yourself and, and it will become easy to, to follow it even without WKO4. Uh, that, related to that, and this is uh, probably the final question uh, before the rapid fire questions. How, if you don't have, for many of the listeners here that don't have and probably aren't going to get WKO4, uh, how much can you get out of uh, using just the Stride Power Center and maybe something like Training Peaks and spreadsheets uh, in terms of doing this analysis that you talk about and that you can get so much out of? Is, how, how much can you still do if you don't have WKO4? Um, you, can, you can probably get by pretty well. Um, you, you mentioned... Um, uh, Chris Haig, uh, as one of your interview subjects before, and I actually listened to that one, that podcast, um, he has a great spreadsheet uh, that he puts his uh, material into. Um, so Yeah, we'll, we'll link to that here again. It was linked in that episode, in episode 59. Perfect, because I, I would encourage the listeners to use that if, if they're going the route of, of, of a do-it-yourself sort of thing. Uh, Power Center... Um, it does have a power duration curve. Um, uh, I'm still discovering all the nuances of it, but it does have a power duration curve, which allows uh, the runner to identify areas of need and also perhaps even uh, prescribe some of their, their training off of that. Um, uh, power center is not customizable, so you'd have to you know, you get your raw leg spring stiffness and do the 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 uh, enter it into a spreadsheet to get your leg spring stiffness per kilogram. And the same thing with getting horizontal power ratio and form power ratio from uh, the raw data in Power Center. Um, uh, training peaks, if you have something like that. Um, or our golden cheetah, then it opens up a little bit more analysis and, and uh, a greater greater power in terms of uh, anal- analyzing your data. Yeah, all right. Yeah, but that's that's good, uh, and I agree with the, the power center and that spreadsheet that we'll link to, and you can add, make your own additions as you get more used to it and uh, and become curious and start exploring things. Then uh, that will be really powerful and you can get a lot out of out of that without having wko4 so the rapid fire questions that i have for you take just uh, uh, one sentence or two to answer these uh, starting with what's your favorite book blog or resource related to running or endurance sports uh i i can't give you just one there's so many i i like to um throw them at me pick and choose (laughs) okay so books um uh, uh, Hunter Allen and Andy Coggins book on uh, training and racing with a power meter um, from the cycling perspective. I'd recommend runners reading that. There's a lot of good stuff there. Uh, I like Lore of Running. I like Coe's book on, on running. Um, uh, Steve, Sorry, Coe's book on running? Which yeah. one is that? Uh, geez, I'm the, the, Sebastian Coe? Uh, no, uh, Peter Coe, uh, um, Sebastian Coe's dad. Um, oh, I think okay. he did it with, uh, with I think he did it with David Martin as well. So that's a great book. Um, Steve Magnus' book uh, is a is a really good one. Science of Running, uh, Secret of Running, uh, uh, which goes over a lot of power, and that's by uh, Van Megan and Van Dyke. Um, a lot of good stuff. Um, and then of course I've got some some manuals from. Uh, Arthur Litter that I got from Charles Howe that that go into some some a lot of his his uh, methods. So um, I try to read a lot. 
and uh, you a lot of utilize a lot of sources to learn from. Yeah. And I'll throw one more resource here that we'll link to you again, and that's your article library because that's really good. Oh, thank uh, you. Next question is, uh, what do you wish you had known or wish you had done differently at some point in your career? We should mention that you've had a, a, a very strong elite running career as well in, in your background. Yeah, so, well, I, one thing for sure, I, I wish I had power back in the day. That would, that would make things a lot better in terms of tracking uh, training load and, and so forth. Um, I, I wish, uh, I, I had a 216 PR and I, I was training for the Olympic trials. In the marathon. Yep. Olympic trials yep. marathon. <laughs> um, and I ran a 30 miler really intensely about two weeks before the Olympic trials marathon and I got injured. Yeah. I wish I could go back and not run that run, uh, and, and come in a little bit healthier and be able to run the trials. Because I was about 213 shape at that point. Yeah, wow. Uh, so finally, who's somebody in running or endurance sports that you look up to? Uh, again, there's a lot of people. I don't want to single out one person. But, you know, all of my coaches, um, some of the great researchers that are out there as well. I, I, I put uh, Andy Coggin in there. Um, and then... Uh, I, I look up to all of my athletes. So they 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 uh, they they just impress impress the heck out of me. How they they put in their work and and are really intense and motivated. That that uh, uh, is something I really look up to as well. All right, brilliant. So this has been really useful, Steve, uh, and uh, I highly encourage all the listeners to go and check out those your articles that we'll link to in the show notes. And also uh, go and join the Paladino Power Project Facebook group, which is a great discussion forum for all things running with power. And that will also, of course, be linked to in the show notes. Is there anything else that you want to mention before we, before we end this interview? No, thank you very much, and we'll 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 keep working and try to come up with even even better things in the future. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this has been Steve Palladino. It was a real pleasure having you on the show, Steve. Thank you. So that one really was a juicy, in my opinion. I, as you know, I'm really a big fan of running with power and the coaching uh, runners or triathletes that use power meters. So I really, really enjoyed that talk with Steve. I think there are tons of value bombs there. And uh, this may be one of the ones that you go and listen to again, and then you go and check the show notes, and then you start playing around with some of the different things that we, we talked about. But some of the things that really stood out to me where first, especially if you, you're kind of new to running with power, so you, you haven't really done a lot of these more advanced things, and you probably don't have WKO4, and uh, it's maybe a bit difficult to use, because <laughs> let's face it, it almost requires a degree in itself to use WKO4 sometimes. Sometimes it feels like that. But the, the thing that stood out is that you can get by very well and get most of the important analysis done using just a stride power center and training piece or goal and cheetah and a nice spreadsheet, which we'll link to in the show notes on thattriathlonshow.com. So don't let this episode and all the talk about WKO4 overwhelm you. That said, if you want a primer on WKO4, go and listen to episode 62 with uh, Tim Cusick, where he talks about why uh, WKO4 is so great for triathletes.
The second thing that stood out to me was uh, Steve's comment about the power of running with power, pun intended, not being in the real-time application of it, but actually in the analysis post-race and post-workout. So if you want to get the most out of running with power, you you really need to look into some of these things post-race, post-workout, like running with effectiveness and, and other things that we mentioned, and, and monitor them rather than just use power as a substitute for sticking to a certain pace or heart rate. Because yeah, that's good, that's excellent, because you you will stick to a certain output. As I said, Hills is a great example of that. But but it's only the beginning, and, and the analysis part is so powerful, and what you can get out of running with power if you do that. And uh, that's probably it. There are a lot of great details in there, but I don't think any one of them is necessarily more important than, than the other. Or a- actually, yeah, let, let me... Let me change my mind here a little bit. I kind of do, and I I think that Steve would agree. If you get started with analyzing your running power data, I would start with running effectiveness. And and I, yeah, Steve would agree, I'm sure. So so start with that to to just get started with the analysis part. And then as you get familiar with that and learn to see how how it changes with pace, with um, with course, etc., and then you can get started with some of the other advanced topics that we also covered. But but start with running effectiveness. That would be my top tip for you. That that's the thing that I use the most uh, when when I use when I analyze running with power. It's definitely the first thing and most important thing that I look at. All right. So as always, you can find the show notes for today's episode on thattriathlonshow.com. And uh, But if you want to have a triathlon or running training plan personalized for you that's based on power, feel free to send me an email and ask about that. Uh, my email is michael at scientifictriathlon.com and that's Michael with a K. Ma- many of my athletes are already using Running With Power, the athletes that I coach. Uh, so I've been in the trenches for quite some time myself already. And uh, yeah, we're very happy to make you a training plan if that's something that you, you want to. On Thursday's episode, you'll hear an interview with world-class researcher Veronika Vleck. And I'll actually interview her live in uh, Kashkais, which is a city very close to Lisbon. So that will be really cool. And uh, the topic will be triathlon injuries, illnesses, chronic fatigue and general health. And Veronica is uh, she's an expert on these topics within the realm of triathlon. She's she's been working with top athletes and age groupers alike, and and knows this stuff inside and out. So I think this will be super super useful and interesting. I'm looking forward to going there in a couple of days by the time of this recording and uh, and chatting with Veronica. Thank you to Triathlon Corner for sponsoring this episode. Triathlon Corner is the new online home of triathlon shopping with the best products to great prices. Check them out at triathlon-corner.store. And thank you to Precision Hydration. Remember to take their free online sweat test on precisionhydration.com to get a personalized hydration strategy for your next race. And use the discount code thattriathlonshow, all one word, for 15% off. Thank you, as always, for listening. Keep training smart and keep loving triathlons.